Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show, your home of unfiltered cycling chat. In today's episode, Crit bikes. What are they and should you be racing on one? Is Peter Sagan up for a stage? What's happened to Caleb Ewan? And why the hell isn't Demar in that team? It's a Tour de France check. Are the biggest cycling YouTube channels taking the piss with their cheap versus expensive videos? And New York City kit brand forces people to ride in their kits. All right, let's get into it. What is a crit bike, Jesse Coyle? Yep. Quick backstory here, was out at a race over the weekend and a few of the boys were coming up and talking to me about the bikes they were running. That seems to be what a lot of people do at the moment, which is all good. But they were, I suppose they were uh, talking about their bike as a bike that's specifically built for the race, specifically built for criteriums, hence the name a crit bike. I've heard of this thing. I've never owned one of these things. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to be okay? So it means you've got a really nice actual road bike, and you race crits, and you don't want to do it on a twenty thousand dollar bike. So you get your you get your cheapy. But the thing is, what are they running? So to me, a crit bike is take the road bike, alloy frame, I would say, and deeper wheels, and you got your crit bike. That's it to me. Is that what they were running? Uh, some of them. So this is why I wanted to bring it up because it was. It was two very distinct things. So for one group of people, the crit bike was a fully aero. So it's almost as though weight wasn't an issue. Okay. Uh, so big, thick tubing, super aero bikes, like not this particular example, but like the Ribble bike, right? Was the crit bike for one of the guys. I spoke to two guys specifically. And the second guy was just like you said, alloy, um, you know, slam stem. He was kind of telling me that he was running a slightly different geometry on it. Yep. Um, and he was he was a little bit more in the weeds. So talked a bit about the geometry, like a different bottom bracket position and all that kind of stuff. Now, I, I will say, I push back a little bit on the money thing. I'm sure that exists. All I'll say is I don't think these guys were sparing too much coin when it comes to. I don't. I don't feel like they were saving money in this regard i think okay i think it's predominantly about crashing though okay because the 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 bike you're saying there the more aero bike the speed specific bike to me that's not a crit bike that's just aero focused bike the crit bike to me is the the cheaper bike you run because you don't want to crash your road bike and you're racing crits you chances are you're going to crash i mean i don't know if you've been following any of tulsa tough has been on at the moment but it's crash. It, there's a lot of crashes, not just in the pro, the pro one, two field, the elite field, but it, all the way through the cats, there's plenty of crashes. So 
if I was racing uh, Tulsa Tough and I had an S-Works SL7, I wouldn't want to race that. And that's where the crit bike comes in. Firstly, just if you crash, you're less worried about it, but also confidence. Confidence is the big one. Crits are scary. You got to go bar to bar into corners. The more confidence you can have, the better you'll race. And that's where the crit bike comes in because you're not worried about crashing it. Yeah, okay. I totally see that in that scenario. I do feel like the majority of our crits are a lot different to Tulsa Tough. Yeah. Like we're talking sort of 20 guys max, whereas... Uh, we, we talk about the differences in this sport across the regions and all that sort of stuff. The crits in the US, to me, almost like a different sport to what I experienced. Like yeah. those car park things where they're all flying around at like 50 miles an hour through every corner. with And you can't see the front of the race because it's almost at the finish line is a different sport. Maybe just go on. No, no. I was just going to say that, that that's what the, just on Tulsa Tough there, that shocked me. It doesn't look they have field size caps mm. because in the elite field, it's huge. There must be eyeballing at, at least 60, 70 guys in the elite field, which doesn't sound like that much for a road race, but when you cram them on a crit course, it's nuts. So five five wide into every corner and that spanned across an entire straight. It's crazy. And the style of racing is, I don't want to say predictable, but with with a field that size and the field going that fast... There's not much opportunity for the opportunist in, yeah. in that regard. So it's kind of always going to come down to some form of, of bunch sprint, I suppose, which does then surprise me that so many guys enter. I don't know. Mm. Um, just coming back to the crit bike real quick. Yep. So if you're going to build a crit bike, yep. talk me through it. Give me, give me some specs here. Yeah. I, okay. I like alloy frame for the... I guess now I think about it, what's the point of an alloy frame for a crit bike? Because if you crash alloy, it is more resistant to breaking. But when you dent an alloy tube, you can't repair it. So I'm not sure the longevity of crashing an alloy frame is a big one. Like if you crash in a crit, it's pretty heavy. I mean, if you're a real beginner and your just bike's going to fall over or something like that, maybe, but... For a crash point of view, I don't know. Alloy? And isn't isn't the whole thing with alloy is it's a super harsh ride, well, relatively. Yeah. And the crits that we do, there's a, some crit courses out there. You don't want a harsh ride. Like, that's that's not the ideal solution. Yeah. So you're not, arguably, there'll be, uh, there'll be more alloy experts, I'm guessing, in the comments. But from a crash point of view, it's probably not necessarily a tick. And then, yeah, then you've got to deal with the, the ride of it, which is not as good as a, a carbon bike. Uh, so I would probably just go to me, crit bike is secondhand marketplace. I'm basically racing on a crit bike. (laughs) That was where I was headed with this whole chat was like, I think you are on a crit bike. The only thing that I would like to change is go fully wireless and one bike. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fully wireless one bike. just clean it up. Yeah. Have it absolutely. Yeah. Although wireless from a. Which I think we did chat about this a couple of months ago, but have you seen the price of a wireless SRAM rear derailleur? I oh, mean, no, it's it not going to want to crash. It can't be wireless. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, there's even more. <laughs> Budget's no issue. Um, no, I think I think just components you're not worried about crashing. Yeah. I wouldn't go wireless. I'd go mechanical. Okay. I reckon I'd go, yeah, mechanical, one by, yes, because it looks... Because that's like, if you're one by on a bike, it looks like a crit bike. Mm. Just for the looks, I'd yep, I'd go one by on a second hand frame. No, I'd I'd probably go rival or something like that. Maybe put a, a red 
crank on there or, or something like that. But apart from that, um, I reckon that sort of that place would be pretty nice. One by big, big deep dish on there and run it. Yeah. And then you can start getting into things like shorter crank lengths. So shorter crank lengths, obviously, usually used by people doing time trials and triathlons to open up the hip angle when you rocked over. But as well for cornering, you know, you got a centimeter less clearance on your pedals. That's really good for being able to pedal through corners. And as a taller rider who runs one seven five cranks. I speak from firsthand. Some of the guys, smaller riders I see, can pedal through corners more than me. So I'd be running short cranks. Would you lean all the way aero or try and go shallow for acceleration? No. Middle ground. Deep as you can get. Okay. Yep. Yep. Float your way through the course. Get better handling skills. So save on the accelerating. And then, yes, get those suckers rolling along at 50k an hour and you're laughing. Ultimately, I do think, and I kind of wrote this down, that the crit bike to me is almost the piss take bike. Like it's the bike that, okay, you've got your, your serious road racing bike or whatever it is. And then it's, it's the fun bike. It's the bike where you would potentially like try bits of technology or equipment Mm -hmm. that is a little bit out there. And you'd probably, and you know, the main reason would be because then you get to turn up to the crit and be like, oh, you're running. What? Yeah. Like, I rate that. Yeah, it's right? fun. Maybe some stickers too. Roadies are so pretentious. They probably never like touch their SOX frame, but throw some stickers on your crit bike, I reckon. Things like that. Get a wrap. Yeah. Get a wrap. That's it. Get a bunny hop bunny wrap. Bunny hop wrap. That's <laughs> it. Exactly. What's the perfect crit bike? Let us know down below. Or is it just complete overkill? What do you think? So something that's been really starting to bug me on cycling YouTube at the moment and it's these big channels just flogging a dead horse with this cheap versus expensive budget versus blah, 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 recycled content. I'm getting over it. I'm starting to get over it. So let's, let me explain why. Okay. So you had maybe two years ago, channels coming up, like the two big ones that started it, Trace Velo and China Cycling. Bringing these AliExpress things to life, putting them through their paces, testing them, letting us know what they're about. And basically, essentially building a crowd of fans and enthusiasts from the ground up over years. And then you have these big channels, GCN, Culprit, and Francis Cade, another culprit, who seemingly have come in Notice that there's an audience that want this sort of cheap versus expensive content and are just pumping it out. I mean, I'm, we're talking about weekly, weekly videos, cheap versus expensive and this sort of thing. And it, 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 really, it really is starting to irk me. So the main reason why is that they're not adding anything mm. to the discussion. All they have seen is that there's an audience here and we're just going to come, we're going to buy this thing on AliExpress, we're going to ride it for 45 minutes, 24 hours later, the video's edited and up, and that's it. And when, that's, that's uh, that, you know, that's okay to do for one video, two videos, just out of curiosity. But you, when you're on your 20th cheap versus expensive video, and you're not actually testing the stuff properly, and you're not actually following up on anything, or giving any really good conclusions to the audience to me this just it just smacks of pandering you're just basically taking advantage of of an audience 
But what's wrong with that, Jesse? Like you sort of said it yourself, like when I've talked a little bit about like the bike fit videos and all that sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, but it's watchable. It's harmless. Mm -hmm. don't, don't worry about it. Like, what's, what's the problem here? I don't it's, understand. There's two reasons why I think it's slightly different. The first thing is the repetition of it. Just when you're hammering and hammering and hammering these videos and not adding to the discussion, I hate it. It just irks me. I mean, it's my opinion. People might, may disagree and may enjoy the videos, but you've got guys like Trace Vello and Joe that have been putting weeks and weeks and weeks of work in to actually contribute to the space, to the cycling YouTube space in this area. And then these big channels come along and they, here's what they're probably thinking. Oh, here's a potential uh, million person audience. Cool. All right. Let's go buy one of these group sets for 200 bucks. We'll go ride them for half an hour. We'll make a video. It'll be clicky thumbnail. We'll get a 10% click through rate. Bang, 100,000 views, almost no work. And, you know, if they did that once, I wouldn't complain. But when you're on your fucking 15th time doing it, Come on, guys. And you would also think the bigger channels, right? These are big channels, mm. should be doing the better work in the space. But it seems like the bigger, as the channels get bigger, they're just so surface level for clicks. And it, 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 it's something about that bugs me. I see. Okay. I see where you're going with this. The, the Cade one's interesting because I had a little bit of a, back, a look back through some of the stuff that he's done. And before it was Cade Media, he did a video... That was a thousand miles later, the 105 killer, the sensor empire pro 12 speed. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's almost two. So this was a 1000 mile review mm -hmm. of his experience riding the bike, went through everything, the shifting, the performance, almost exactly what you've asked for here. Yep. Um, proper mechanical breakdown of it. And as should have happened, the people loved it. Almost 200,000 views. Yep. Okay. And we'll hopefully continue to, to get con get views because it's damn good piece of content. Compare that to something more recent. You know, we buy we bought a two hundred dollar bike. We bought a four hundred dollar bike. I can see where you're you're going with this. It's it's more fluff type yeah. content, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Because you've done you've got the video where you actually put the work in, which is awesome. Leave mm. that there. Mm. You don't need to pump one out every other week. That doesn't add anything else. Mm. I mean, what is that serving? See, this is, this is the, the balance with this, though, because that that first one I'm talking about is really informative, educational. I would almost say, and maybe this is a discussion for him, I don't know, but like these up, these second ones are, they're like almost like challenge videos. Do you know what I mean? Like they're those, we were talked about it, like, oh, how far can you ride without your saddle on? Mm. It's basically yeah. that. Like it's not actually move and you you want something that's moving mm. this mo moving this brand not brand this whole movement forward yeah yeah which that what that sensor one with the follow-up did but not the 10 subsequent ones which you just did for views and the other thing that potentially is bugging me personally is that i ride a seven-year-old secondhand frame because because i i believe in it i think it's just as good as the new bikes so I passionately believe in it. I don't feel like these bigger channels that are just recycling the videos genuinely believe what they're essentially portraying. And that also adds to the... It just grinds me. And it's it's maybe that. It seems disingenuous when you're on your 20th cheap versus expensive video. But I don't actually believe they really back the stuff or want to use it. I 
Yeah, I mean, that's I, my opinion. That's, but well, I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's news. Yeah, I mean, uh, I get what you're saying. You're kind of like Jesse. It's a nothing burger. They're just doing it for content, which would be true. But when it's this cheap, it's when it's this value. Something there's something about it that is just it just pokes in my brain. Um, yeah, that I can't get over. See, the thing that kind of it's interesting you went this route with it because the thing that triggers me with this stuff is it almost comes back to those comments I made about the campy thing. How it's like it's easy to shit on campy, right? Because there's no there's no pushback. Who cares, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to see someone give shit on the SRAM, new SRAM rival or anything like that. Yep. Okay. And to me, this content is almost now the, it's like the opposite of that. It's the, you almost know the reaction is going to be mm-hmm. positive. Mm-hmm. It, no one's going to drop into the comments on the, the L2 video and say, this stuff sucks. Give me Shimano Dura Ace every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Like no one's going to do that because everyone knows that's the, the building momentum is that chat. I think it would be more controversial. In fact, I'm tempted to do it. Like a review of Durace DI2 and say it's fucking amazing and it's worth $2,500. People would shit themselves mm-hmm. with, oh, this is overpriced. Whatever. Could be to lots mm-hmm. of people. But I don't know. I just feel like this is easy pickings. You know what? So what you're, I, I think what you're saying there is it's, it's, it, there's an element of pandering in that you already know what your action is going to be. You know that you're not really going against the grain, so you're just going to pump the content out and happy days, 60,000 views. But let me take this a step further. You open the door, I'm, I'm stepping through it, right? Francis Kate in particular, sponsored by Scott, that's fine. But the videos he's doing with this cheap versus expensive, it's let's take a piece of shit Walmart bike that no one's ever going to compare to a Scott and test it for a video. Again, one off would be fine. But when you're on your 15th version of the video, what would actually take some balls is test a bike that people may actually compare and that is better value. You know, there's a video that people would actually enjoy. But of course, he's not going to do that because it would go against his sponsor. But when you're just pumping out this, you know, cheap verse thing that's never going to get compared to, I don't, what is, again, it's just another level of what is the point of this? Yeah, okay. So you're saying, you mean you you already know the answer to this video before you... Mm-hmm. Click it, really. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the Walmart bike is going to be worse. Like, mm-hmm. come on. And we're all watching it for probably like a voyeurism type thing. Oh, does it snap in half? Like, what's going to happen here? Yeah. Whereas, but you're almost, you're putting this out there as if here I am going against the grain, trying to show value in this cheap bike, right? That's kind of, to me, when you w- see those thumbnails in those videos, that's what you're trying to say. But you're not actually doing that because there's no way in hell the bike's going to, be any in any way comparable and even if it is no one's realistically buying a 200 pound walmart bike anyway yeah so what if what would be more interesting is oh how does a ten thousand dollar scott addict compare to a three thousand dollar marita okay now now we're actually you'd be getting somewhere i think um not that he has to make those videos of course you've got a sponsor don't do not do that video why would you but then also don't pander and make these other videos that portray a similar vein, but don't get anywhere close to actually helping the audience. Maybe you're just in the minority though. Like maybe people know that this is just fluff mm-hmm. and it's, it's, that's, that's all that it is ever going to be. Like my example of that is probably one of the best videos on this subject recently was Trace Fellows 2000 kilometer, 2000 kilometer laid up L2 review. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like you are going to learn everything 
about what that group set did in those 2000 Ks. Now, numbers are numbers on YouTube, 60,000 views. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously different subscriber base, all the rest of it, but that's kind of, that's less than an eight minute, like Walmart fluff piece of, of a Cade media bike. So maybe, maybe people really don't care and they're viewing it from my perspective, which is just... Look, I'm sure most people see it as entertainment. I'm kind my my take on it is personal and is kind of I'm seeing like ten levels in, which may be wrong. But that's just that's I just wanted to bring it up because it was bugging me. Most people will say, I oh, get over it. It's just an entertaining eight minute video, you know, no harm, no foul. I don't agree. It really shits me and they could all leave it. If you are right, and if you are if you're in the majority of people who are starting to think this then it is probably something that they need to to seriously look at because that is a channel that built itself up on just the most authentic, fun, interesting content mm -hmm. that, that had depth to it. And if your opinion is what the majority of people are thinking that's just turned into fluff content, then yeah, that's, that is potentially a concern for, for them. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I can totally see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, so the other one I saw as well on, on GCN did one, another one that was uploaded GCN tech YouTube channel, different, different take, but again, this, this mm, don't do, we're so far into this, um, X versus Y people instantly, it, the bullshit radar goes off straight away. So they did this 2012 versus 2015 versus 2023 Pinarello dogma wind, wind tunnel test. Now they've already did a video a few years ago where they did rim versus disc dogma test. And the rim, the rim was faster um, at different speeds, anywhere from four to 16 watts faster, the rim brake version. So then they, they come out with this. Now, we already know that uh, all else being equal, the rim brake frames are faster. But then they do this test and they say, cool, the, the, you know, the, the 2023 Dogma with disc brakes is faster. And people instantly in the comments, bang, well, the handlebars were 38s, the rest were 40s, and it had a one-piece aero handlebar and stem, which could have been all the gains you're seeing. So... Even GCN as well. It's like, you don't, this is not adding anything now. Like if you, if they put this out three or four years ago, it would have been interesting, but we're, we're too far down the line now. This is, yeah, this one also bugged me and people, I'm not the only one, people in the comments are straight onto it too. But um, again, these big channels, they just don't seem to be getting it in my opinion. I, I totally hear you, but again, I just come back to, like, I watched that and I only watched it because I wanted to see that 2016 dogma that I froth. Like, I couldn't give a shit about the results of that. Like, I'm, yeah, that's, that's just, that's just me. Like, I knew that what the results were going to be. They didn't pay any attention to them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Maybe I'm just getting old and grumpy, but it's just this stuff pops up and I, yeah. Bubble, bubble away. Look, let us know down below. Obviously, we didn't sit on any fences with that one. But what do you think? Like, is churning out the same content over and over, is that going to, to hurt this movement of, of Chinese cycling brands? Or is it irrelevant? Is it just entertaining? Get over it, Chris and Jesse. We're on the cusp of the Tour de France. So the brain starts ticking over. Any talking points we've got? Theories? What's, ch what's chat? What's chat? I'll, I'll start. I reckon Sagan's up for a stage win. Mm. He was in a few races. I did see him sticking his nose in towards the finish, a couple of fourths and fifths and that sort of thing. I would not be surprised if he comes out swinging on one of those uphill sort of sprinty things and just tails one up. 
Who's more likely to win a stage, Peter Sagan or Mark Cavendish? Oh, oh. Mm. I'd say. Who would you well, like to okay. see win a stage? No, I'd want to. I'd want to see. I'd want to see Sagan win a stage. Mm. I. Um, they're both retiring, aren't they? Yep. Uh, so, I think Cavendish is more likely because he's been on pretty good form. I. But I don't really like him. I just prefer Sagan, so I'd want to see Sagan win a stage. Huh? Cav seems like a. It just seems like a little bit of a crybaby. He's a bit sort of. He has a little temp. He's got a bit of like a short man syndrome. He always has like a bit of a temper tantrum, and I mean, he's kind of cool, but he spits the dummy quite a lot. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Cav. That's always yeah. been a criticism of Cav. You mm-hmm. either okay. loved the, loved that or hated that. I, I he wears he wears his heart on his sleeve. Like his interviews are pretty good. And, yeah, but I can I can see how you have that mm. opinion of him. That's yeah. good. I, I like the fact you dis- dislike writers. <laughs> really, I mean, ultimately, I mean, let's, not let's with have passion. No, I know no, that no. if I saw him in the street, I'd have a fanboy moment. But you know, I'm not fully backing yeah. him. Yeah, um, that's good. But say, say I don't, I don't yeah. like Fabio Jakobsen for some reason. I just don't oh. like him. Okay, yep, that's Lovely a weird bloke. See, I rate he's no, okay. he's too. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not spicy enough for you. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so I reckon Sagan's up for one. I'd love to see him tower one up. Um, other either that doesn't really do it for me is Caleb. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's not very patriotic of me as an Aussie. Just, he did come to Heffron. So he won me over there. See, came to Heffron and I was swooning. <laughs> like, I got a photo with him. I thought it was awesome. Love your work, Caleb. But I don't know. Just maybe it's the, he does have a bit of that um, cool boy, drives a sports car in Monaco thing, which that's cool, but not really my cup of tea. But um, when's the last time Caleb won a stage in the tour? See, just quickly. I like that with my sprinters. I like you do. I like yeah. it. I want the full. Yep. I want Ferraris. I want lifestyle. I want. Yeah. I want the full Chippo experience with my sprinters. I think that's why I don't like Jakobsen because Jakobsen's mm-hmm. very dour and I won the race. Well done, me. <laughs> Whereas Caleb would go and buy a Ferrari. I like that. <laughs> to me, yeah. And yeah, like you, when you turn up the Heffron, I'm like, oh, I love you. Um, uh, racing wise, here's the thing my take with Caleb. He's always only one race away from winning. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really hard to gauge his form mm-hmm. from week to week. Like, even before he he's had those really good San, San Remo climbs, he's been getting dropped. And then turns up to San Remo and he's like, nose breathing with Pogacar. So, I, I, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if he if he won one. And if he won one, he could win two. He, he, that's the way I, I sort of see Caleb. I have a feeling like he gets backed in f- to win stages quite a bit. But when's the last time he won a stage? Uh, uh, pro at, the race? T- at the tour. When he won. 2020. Yeah, okay. Which I almost didn't believe. I was on pro cycling stats going through it. He's crashed out twice, I think. He crashed out. He didn't do it in 2021. He did the Giro. Um, so I think he's he gets backed to win stages, but he hasn't won one for... Quite a few years, I would, I would, I mean, Arno Dali crashed, but I would have loved to see Arno Dali get a have, have a rip. A, I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got got stocks in him. So, um, yeah, it would have been Dali is back racing. I would have loved to see him at the at the tour, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't reckon Caleb's going to win one. Do you have anything on this Demar thing? Is kind of blowing up. Demar didn't get didn't get picked. I love a bit of French spice. Yeah. A bit of French spice to get the get the tour because it's probably the only time we'll be talking about any of the French riders. Um yeah, look a bit of infighting there. 
one of the things, well, it's not, it wasn't, wasn't that big an insight, but even in the Netflix documentary, you kind of got the sense that that team just are obsessed with Pino. Love him or, well, no one seems to hate him, but so they've gone and picked Pino instead of Damar. Mm-hmm. Damar, who I think is one of the most underrated, genuinely think he's one of the most underrated sprinters in the world tour, full stop. His, his actual lead out, that uh, Sinkledam, Scotson, a um, couple other guys, when they actually put it together, is one of the best lead outs in the world. I don't know. They don't want to win a stage, maybe? Yeah, I don't... I kind of think this 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 lead out thing is kind of bullshit. They're just like, oh well, we can't send four guys as a lead out, so we're not going to send a sprinter. I'm like, just toss him in there. Toss Half him the in. guys are, are coasting on wheels anyway, and usually when they get the when they get the lead out lined up, eight out of ten times they the, whoever's leading out goes way too early, and their sprinter's left in the wind, and someone comes from six wheels back and wins anyway. I just can't see why they wouldn't wouldn't take him, give him maybe one guy to help him position. And just let him do his thing. He, chances are, you know, he's a good shot to win one. Yeah, well, the controversy isn't around the, the practicality of it. The controversy is around that Gadu hates him and the two of them don't like each other. Uh-huh. That's that's the the thing undertoning this. Like there was that WhatsApp group thing that went public, which I don't know was was ever actually ratified, but it was basically Gadu saying, I'm not getting in the elevator with that bloke. <laughs> okay. uh, and then he like left the conversation, was pulled, full like Ben Simmons at the Brooklyn Nets, there's a reference that will mean nothing to you um, situation. But that's the backstory to it is the two of them don't like each other. Get him in there. Get the Netflix cameras in there. And all of a sudden, we have a bloody good show. But I don't know. That's not seemingly going to happen. DeMar then, like his season, I hope he goes and wins the Net- the French national champs or something. I, I really do feel for the boy. Mm. Actually, that the, a lot of the nationals are this weekend. I don't know Belgium nationals are this this weekend. We should nice. have asked Lantern about that. Yeah. that's... About what in particular regarding... Yeah, I just... the fi- I think the financial stuff around the, the Nationals is kind of interesting. Like what it's worth to, to write. Because I've heard a lot with the National stuff. It's one of those situations where there is a little bit of collusion, some inter-team collusion going on. Yeah. Money moving around big, the place. Because it's big bonus money. Mm. Um, especially in a cycling mad country. <laughs> so you, if you were doing some, uh, I'm going to get a hundred K euros. If I win this thing, I'll get, you know, siphon some off and it wouldn't if, be surprised. If you win the, the world championships and you're the national champion, should you get a special world champs Jersey with some reference to you being the current national champion or should the person who came second at that national Fuck race, no, no, don't even go there. Old no. You're not giving the second place the jersey just because there's a world champ. No chance. Me down. Uh, they could do a little, um, like when you're the ex-national champion, they do the flag on the sleeve, the colours. They could do that on the world champs kit. That'd be nice. But who cares if you're the national champ, if you're the world champ? I mean, I can go for Mufti. You're, you're in world champs jersey top, national champs bibs. <laughs> Green and gold bibs with a... Rainbow stripes. I, I Go really, for a plappy. No, I really like, though, he's not the world champ, maybe next year. Yeah, but he's the current national champ. So then if he won the world champ, oh, he could go the Mufti kit. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I love that. I'm so excited to watch Belgium nationals and all the national races. I don't know what it is. There's something about me where I'd actually watch the entire thing, but I won't watch like a lot of other races in full. They're just the type of racing when there's 
less teams involved and it's just really raw and exciting. Championship racing is the best race and we see it every year at the Australian Nationals. You see it at the World Champs. It's often the best race and the most underrated race of the year, well, not the year, every four years is the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Like that actual race is one you'll sit down and watch the whole thing. Totally agree with you. What do you guys think of our takes on the upcoming tour? Let us know down below. So you sent this through to me and it was fascinating sort of little 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 uh bubble story here I, I liked it but how did you see this rubber and road thing where did this come from uh someone slid into my dms jesse slid in and passed this across my table which they thought i'd be interested in and damn right i'm interested as soon in as it. there's screenshots of a private <laughs> chat i'm like oh let's go, let's, go. Yeah. let's get into it Okay, so quick backstory. Um, apparel label slash shop in New York City called Rubber and Road. Um, there's two two angles we can go here, mm -hmm. right? The first is probably the one that's going to trigger you, which is just the expense of this kit, the price tag of this kit. So do you want to quickly Well, just... it doesn't trigger me. No. No. Okay. Let's just explain what, what the hell are we talking about here? Let's just do the... Let's do that first. We're talking about an apparel shop brand that has released some kit which is almost 500 Australian dollars for a jer for a jersey okay mm -hmm. which is an interesting talking point in my in my perspective however the next part of this is they do a shop ride and as part of this shop ride they have been putting pressure on the of the people who just turn up to it to wear their shop slash apparel kit okay now the screenshots Go into a. Do you want to maybe mention the the way this is portrayed in the in the screenshots? No, you go you go into it. I I, I did read through them last time. They're just yeah. What's the what's the gist here? Because I got a I got a take, but I think we need to explain. So what what are the messages saying? So the message is basically saying that you've got this um, label that is trying to sell itself as being a you know an independent underground movement, and to help us out, mm -hmm. you need to turn up to the shop in your kit when you're going out on the ride. Now, of course, you have to buy the kit then to go out on this ride. And it's getting to the point where you're frowned on and in some cases asked to leave the rides if you're not wearing the kit. The person who actually passed this on to me lives in Taiwan. And he mentioned that this is a thing that is starting to happen across some of the shop kits that are in his part of the world. So they have to, you have to turn up in a apparel label that that shop has, basically. Yep. This whole thing is a bit of a nothing burger to me. I mean, the way the owner of the shop dealt with it in the comments is just really weird. I mean, mate, give it up. What are you doing to spamming replies and back and forth and back and forth? But the actual, the whole idea of this is I don't care at all. If a kit brand wants to charge a gazillion dollars for a kit, that's their prerogative. They're not forcing anyone to buy it. And if they want to run a private ride and invite people to their private shop and force people to um, buy their kit if they want to be involved in that, that's also their prerogative. What's, I mean, the only thing I would say is if they're kind of inviting people, sort of getting them in the door by saying, we'd love for you to come on this ride, it's free and this and that, and then be doing sales tactics to get them to buy the kit, that stinks. But if it's, you know, this thing in Taiwan where these shops are openly saying, come on the ride, you need to be in the kit because we want to look cool. I mean, not not really my vibe, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Problem? 
I find this interesting because like you're the first person to whinge and complain about this super, super high expenses of bikes that are ultimately bringing up the prices of, of mid-range bikes and all that kind of stuff. And that's sort of my pushback with this. Like if, if you're going to start spending sort of charging $500 for a, for a Jersey at the top end, ultimately, does that mean that that middle range start coming up? So my, I, I my do... answer is no. I mean, you've still got brands offering cheap Neo Pro. You can still buy a nice looking, decent quality kit for, for cheap. I mean, I haven't seen that happen. The reason why it bugs me with the bikes is I have seen that happen. So I, I, personally, I don't see this as just a nothing. And long may that continue. Yes. I, I do I do hate the turn up to the ride thing. I mean, one of the, the things that I do kind of appreciate about the Rafa rides here is you can turn up a map kit, turn up in friggin' whatever and no one cares. In fact, most people comment on what kind of kit you're wearing, that it looks good or it doesn't look good, whatever. So to me, that's that was a bit of a shock mm. that you couldn't do that. I mean, even we've ridden in club rides where you've, you know, you've all got to wear the club kit, which I don't have a problem with, and it is sort of frowned upon to not to not run the the club kit. But you know, that's because you're joining the club, and I feel like that's a different different place because it's not like someone's benefiting. I think the thing with this is like it's so direct. Mm. It's like you have to turn up in this kit. You can only buy this kit from us. I mean, well, let's look at the, the prices. Are I mean, five hundred Australian for bib shorts. And their, their Central Park Cycling Club jersey, $494. I mean, I so <laughs> I make kit for my coaching business um, and I don't use a supplier or directly with a, with a manufacturer. And having seen the different fabric options on offer, having seen the different bib shorts on offer, I mean, they say this is made in Italy and blah, 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 but the I'm... I'm using fabrics that say, you know, Italian fabrics. There's definitely some, um, not necessarily this is the case. If they say it's made in Italy, you got to you got to assume it's made in Italy. But this, I mean, the cost of a of a kit. Now, I still include some markup in the coaching kit to make it worth the time. But still, I'm, uh, coaching kit goes for I think just over two hundred dollars, and that's me with some markup because I'm doing small runs to make sure it's worth my time. That and that's for a jersey and bib shorts. It, I can tell you now. Any brand charging more than $200 for bib shorts or $150 for a jersey is hundreds and hundreds of percent markup. It's huge. And there's definitely, and they do the work. I look for it now because you go to the description of the product and they're just saying blah, blah, blah type of fabric for this and XYZ, you know, stitching blah. I'm like, I can get that. That's nothing special. I can get that through my uh, supplier and I'm not doing huge runs either. I'm doing relatively small runs. That's, that's not special. That's just the fabric that everyone uses. And so it's just now I see this sort of stuff. It's interesting. The clue is in the name. Central Park Cycling Club. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're not selling kit to you. They're selling this community this this they're selling the community the you're going to be part of this right that's and that's what bugs me about this because they're selling that as a that's their main thing that you're going to grab onto you're part of this experience you're part of this brand you're part of this collective right and they've even given it a location and that's that sort of centers it all down but to be part of this, not only do you have to buy this, but you also then have to, like, you must turn up and wear this. Hmm. 
even in some of their other stuff, they've got one here called the Fanboy Jersey. Like that's their whole thing is selling this club thing. So I hear what you're saying about the materials and the markup and all that kind of stuff, but that's not what they're selling here. I mean, I quite like the look of this stuff, but you know, mm. it's pretty cool. I get around that, but but that's kind of my point is that their prerogative if they want to do it. I just think that the attitude that the dude had in the comments was weird. I mean, I just double down, own it. <laughs> like one one sentence reply, we're a private, we're a private club, buy the kit or don't come. Like if you want to be cool and edgy, like at least just be open about it. Like, I think that people would have a bit more respect, I'd think. They also said that, because I, I was wondering where you got that from. So I searched for it on thing and there was a Reddit thread where the, the same people were also saying that, um, that Rafa ripped off their designs because of this black and white jersey here, this impact jersey, black and white. And people were saying, you can't, it's it's a white it's a white jersey with black text. <laughs> you know, it's not ripping off. It's like the most basic design that's been used for decades. So I don't know, whoever runs the this rubber and road thing is definitely a uh, little bit of a weirdo. However, we're more than welcome to uh, test some of your kit <laughs> and then sell it online, seemingly. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, turning up to shop rides and being forced to wear the kit of the apparel that they sell? Sorry, hold on. No. It's also, you go onto the site and it says at the top, due to our handmade production, every fucking kit is handmade. How do you think the jerseys get stitched together? By someone sitting there stitching them together. That Even this is like portraying something that it's not due to our handmade production like yeah so is a so is a 30 dollar jersey from wherever the hell it's that's how jerseys are made we could do a whole show on on marketing <laughs> bios that's that's yeah i want just can we go back to the shop rides thing yeah because when i was getting into when i was um so i moved from rowing to cycling and i didn't know that i didn't know jack shit about anything um road cycling related it, it was a shop ride that I kind of followed was the wheelhouse did this wheelhouse Mondays shop ride and Naz and stuff did it. And I didn't know any of these people. I think I must've just seen them on Instagram. Um, and that sort of shop ride was kind of the, the cool thing. Um, but I didn't know how I would go on it. They all rode in the wheelhouse kit. Um, and now they promoted it and like put photos up of it. So maybe I could have just showed up out of the blue and gone along um, but yeah, no, that definitely exists in Sydney, but that's why I'm really glad clubs exist because that's the awesome thing about clubs is you just rock up and you can do the rides. And if you, you like them, order the kit and no expense, no barriers. The shop ride is a far bigger thing in the U S is it? It's a really big thing Yeah, because uh, you don't really have the clubs as, as much. They're certainly not as, um, as big, but the shops, pretty much every shop runs a shop ride and they'll all have, they will all have their, their, I mean, rubber sole, the guys in, in Fresno that I go into a lot, they have their kit. Um, and it's not, you know, whatever it's, you turn up with it or you don't turn up with it. But yeah, the shop ride is like you said, it's pretty much most people's first experience and it's their, it's their community, really their cycling community. Is that good or bad? It, I, there's always this, maybe it's just me, but I find it way more inviting to rock up to a club ride where they've got the ride details posted on their website. And it, it, to me, it feels a bit more inviting. The shop rides always feel a little bit awkward for me. It's like, I don't shop at this shop. Is it okay to rock up? Or is that just me? I, no, I, I think that's probably fair. I don't know how sort of, I see what you're saying, like how 
really affiliated to the, to the shop it is. It, it's almost like, so we have a couple of big rides that happen in Sydney. It's, but they just, these rides just start at a shop. So I remember Bike Bug in Sydney used to do one from North Sydney. It was called the Bike Bug Saturday Rides. And it went out to Macars and um, Coona Bay and all that kind of stuff. And it was a everyone. Like it was almost like the Caluzzi of the North. Sorry to get very Sydney specific, but it was. But it was always called the Bike Bug Ride. Mm. And I wonder whether, like with a lot of these shop rides, they're just almost like sort of heritage. Yeah. They just have kept the name, if that See, makes I'd be sense. really intimidated to go to a ride like that. But I wouldn't be intimidated to rock up to a... You know, a Centennial Park Wednesday morning ride. It's just something about the club. I just really like the club culture in Sydney in particular. So I find it way more inviting. Which is, it's unique. It is yeah. very unique. And I, I think we briefly touched it when we we're talking about best cities in, in Australia to ride. And it is the best for that. Like it really is. Adelaide, we big upped Adelaide, but it doesn't have this. It just certainly doesn't mm. have this. Um, yeah. So let us know, actually guys, shop rides, club rides, like what is what is the difference? Is there a difference in mentality? A difference, and are they are they as um, are they as open? Are they problematic? Mm. Is that a problem to to force people to buy your kit to go on a shop ride? I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. Let's see. So a mate of mine asked me a question during the week, and uh, he's getting his bike built. So he's got the frame, group set, all the rest of it. He's got it built, yep. and he was asking me. Or where he should get it done, but also like what kind of price he should be sort of expected to pay. And what I think is interesting here is this was a steel frame bike, mechanical, external cabled rim brake. Yep. So I would almost argue the basic of the basic in terms of a shop build. Mm -hmm. He was charged the same amount from what I can gather. It's a flat rate, a bike build. What? Okay. Yep. Then <laughs> someone bringing in a Scott foil, full integration, you know, the, the full DI2, hydraulic brakes, all the rest of it, tubeless setup, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. Is that fair? No, that's totally wrong. Okay. That's totally wrong. Uh, I have seen on some web uh, bike shops websites, they'll do bike build service and they'll charge a flat rate, but it's never made sense to me because it should just be time- Right. And I know a lot of shops do, um, you know, workshop a cost per hour labor, labor charge might be like 140 Aussie an hour or something like that. I would expect it to be more charged based on that as opposed to a, a flat rate or a quote. Or yeah, give you, take your bike in and they can give you a quote for, for what they expect so, it to cost. So that's what I got him. He was, he was quoted over the phone just a flat rate because he just asked. And yeah. then I said, when you take it in, I will, no, no, say this is the, the, the type of build that we're looking at and how long is it going to take? And can we go on an hourly basis as opposed to, because he was, he was basically getting like, what was it price wise? What, uh, it was like $500. Yeah. So that seems like a lot. Yeah. It was, which is kind of your half day, like yeah. seemingly in the, in the mechanic world. Um, yeah. So I, I can't, Fuck, that's a lot of money for yeah. a bike mechanic, especially for a rim brake. I mean, I could build that bike. It's like the lowest of low skilled. It's not like building a hydraulic triathlon bike that needs to be, you know, super dialed. So quick update on that. He did go in and he got quoted an hour and a half build and the price has come down to 200 bucks. Okay. Right. Yeah. That seems more reasonable. But that's only on him requesting it. So clearly they 
they were just pretty much so used to, yeah, you know, oh, it's a new bike build, right? Yeah. Okay, he was just kind of the being lazy hydraulic with the fluids yeah. out, all the rest of it. Yeah, so that that was updated. So I don't know whether that's a community service to people to say, you know, make sure you mention it. Well, it's kind of the problem with bikes. There's so many different things to build now, and then it's what wheels. Okay, well, are they tubeless? So we're going to do a tubeless setup, which in a bike shop is super easy because you've got the compressor, but you know, then maybe there's a bit of sealant cost. Uh, there's just so many different things you can fiddle with these days. Um, they would, you'd like to think they're quoting for each individual, in each individual build. Yeah, which which hopefully is the case. Just quickly on tubeless, two more wheels right there, Jesse. Yep. Set them up. No problems. Wow, done. <laughs> no dramas. Ghetto <laughs> setup. Ghetto setup with the CO two. Everything. Oh, that's oh, that's very bad for the environment, Chris. You are killing the planet. Killing seals. <laughs> one one CO two at a time. <laughs> Uh, in fact, bang, bang, just two CO2s, done. Yeah. Oh, you know, that also ruins the sealant. If you do uh, so what I do is I get to get that seal, get that first seal, I use it, and then I will actually let it down and pump it back up oh, okay. properly. Because some sealants are actually, they, they say that they're like, you can't use a CO2 on them, mm -hmm. seemingly, and mm. especially, specifically in setup. So yeah, anyway. There's still people, every time I mention tubeless, that say they can set up their wheels with a floor pump. Mm. I don't know how they're doing that. I, they've got to be lying. Or they got to, when they say floor pump, they must mean one of those inflator doohickeys because I've never been able to floor pump a tubeless setup. Actually, what are you, ICANs, where did they come from? Uh, so I'd they to, uh, are a yeah Chinese brand G24s G25 700cc. Why haven't you, you sh Why haven't you done a video on it yet? Let's I go know. get the camera out. I can budget, <laughs> budget vision wheels vision up. versus I can record it, mate. Steel edit it up. Steel versus carbon. Spend twice as long on the thumbnail than you did on the video, mm -hmm. and you you're good. Got it done. That's it. Yeah. Send them back. You don't even need to ride them. Uh, GRX, which I thought was I've never ridden GRX before. Have you ridden GRX? No. Brakes are, are these are sick. Amazing. They look cool, the the hoods. Why aren't we all just using GRX hoods? Yeah. The braking is beautiful, like so even. Mm. Like it's it's interesting. So that's I mean comparing GRX to DI2, like twelve speed is whatever, completely different. But the shifting, you can definitely feel that little bit of little bit of delay. In fact, quite a delay, I will say. Like there is a if that was a road group set, you'd be like, "Oh, okay, right, okay." But those levers yeah. and the braking, my god, beautiful, absolute sex. If you were building a bike for Batman, it would have those levers. Mm -hmm. They look sick. I'd love to run them on the on the road bike yep. too. The only thing that I want to have a look at is so the front chain rings are forty six. 32, I think. Mm -hmm. So I've got the, the, the two chain rings. I would like to potentially put a 50, a 50, 36 on there. Mm -hmm. um, anyone let me know down below. I, I'm not sure whether you can run that bigger chain ring on a GRX front derailleur. But like for what that's going to do, that would be kind of ideal for me. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I've got 40 mil wheels on there. Probably could get 42s if I wanted on there. But yeah, running a pretty, um, they're the receptors. Not so the what are you using this thing for? Are you actually going to ride gravel? Well, that's the plan. Where are you going to well, go? No, actually, the plan is to eventually do Dirty Warney at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. So I would like to do Oh, that. that's a proper race. It's a proper race. Oh, shit. Yeah. So here's, here's the so problem. screwed. But here's the problem, <laughs> right? Fitness? No, no yeah. problems. I'll train that. 
But I've got to somehow train the gravel stuff. Yeah. Right? And this yeah. is this is my issue with the gravel stuff is for me to go train that. You mean the skill of it? The skill of yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. I've got to go ride some gravel days. Yeah. Ride some gravel days, which means putting my bike in the car, mm -hmm. driving an hour plus, doing my gravel riding, putting bike in car, coming back home. Like, you know, we don't do that. Mm. And that's always been my gripe with any of these events. Like, um, Lanson made a really good comment about the gravel events when we were talking about it. And he said, like, the reason you do these events is you can take, you can use your equipment that you've got, your gravel equipment that you've got, which is dead right. But for all the other days of the year, I'm like, how do I, when do I use this? How do I, how do I start to prepare this? I don't know. Mm. And you're going to need some skill because those boys you're hooking along down descents and gravel. I mean, I'd be dropped in two seconds. So it's going to be uh, okay. Interesting one. You're going to, what, do you have any, you going to do videos on it? Yeah. If, I mean, I'm curious. How are you, yeah. how is Chris Miller going to prepare for one of the biggest gravel races in Australia? Um, you'll have to put some, you'll have to bop her up. You're too skinny. Look at you. You're going to have to put some muscle on, boy. Come on. I'm, I'm in the gym. Yeah. I'm in the gym. Yeah. Um, I'm not that bad. You are. You, I'm you not were, that bad. You're, you're light years ahead of me. We did that ride down south that time where I had to get the taxi home because I got flat. But uh -huh. you didn't, you weren't running, you weren't running the right equipment either. You, right. you had like 38 mil tires and there's a big difference when you get into the forties. It does make it. Oh, I could be on a. I'm a granny. I'd be on. A, I could be on a mountain bike and I'd be useless on those descents. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because that's. But Warney's not that bad relatively because it's not that hilly. This right. race, the Australian Gravel Nationals are on this weekend in Devil's Cardigan, down in Tassie in Derby, and they're doing proper gravel descents. Mm. I can't. I. It's just not a sport I could ever do. I'm, I'm never going to be competing with. Uh, Tasman and Curvis on a 6% gravel downhill. It's just not. <laughs> Does that frustrate you? Do. Because, you know, you, you against Tasman at the elite road Nats, you're probably relatively evenly matched. Maybe you're better than him. Put you on his terrain and he laps you. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's funny, I wouldn't it? even show up. It's yeah. just pointless because <laughs> I'd hit the first downhill and so. I just, yeah, I don't know if I'd ever be able to. I mean, I could get good at it if I tried, but I'm just not, my balls aren't that big. I'm so the other interesting thing with that bike is, so uh, it's not, wasn't built for me, but um, what he's done is it looks like a road bike, right? Don't you think? But hmm. what it is, it's a really long wheelbase. So in a sense, it should be good for a hopeless, like, person like me yeah the, like when the better you get at this stuff the more kind of tighter you can bring the the wheelbase mm. in but it should be pretty flowy and pretty pretty relaxed so just on the gravel racing thing as well because racing this this weekend sam hill's doing gravel nationals and it, no offense to sammy but he's probably similar boat to me going down these descents and oh, i God. just i just go how is he gonna what's the point of racing if you can't rip a dirt descent i mean the, 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 that's okay. If you're doing, that's the gravel thing. I guess if you're doing it for an enthusiast point of view, you just noodle your way down. Maybe you hop off and do what I would do and just sort of walk the technical bits. But if you're doing a gravel race, even if you're super fit, like Sam is, you're going to struggle. But he may have got a lot better. I mean, he lives in Tamworth, which is a regional part of New South Wales. 
you can go out and ride this stuff every day. And mm. if you do that, you get better. Yeah. Like that's, that's the fact. I feel that this is a situation where like for people living in metro areas, like it's not relevant. Mm. Like, as I said before, the reality of my weekend is not going to involve me putting that bike on the car. And then I've got to find mates to ride gravel with. You're not bloody going to do it. And then the mates that do have gravel, uh, ride gravel with, they've got to be my ability. Like, and that's probably not that good. So the guys that I do know that do it, they're going to be way better than me. They're not going to invite me. Mm. And I don't want to be on their trip because otherwise I'm the guy, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. So I feel like I'm now like, where do I, where do I fit into this equation? Yeah. And the gravel, and my last little bit about this, like the gravel around where we live, it's very shaly, very rocky, sandy. It's, it's not your yeah. like, Californian, like Los Angeles canyons. It's not that. Maybe that's why I'm so scarred. Cause even that ride we did, are you doing like a fire trail downhill with rocks and I just, I did that ride. I'm, how is anyone racing down this? But mm. clearly that's not the gravel that everyone has to To be ride. fair, that got pretty gnarly. Okay. Like that got mm, cross-country mountain bike. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, that, that was probably beyond yeah. both our abilities, to be honest, which wouldn't be hard. Yeah. But no, I'll, I'll keep you updated. I, I will do a video on that bike, Sean's bike, bike builder in um, Brisbane. It's not his full-time job. He just builds a couple of bikes every year which that's the state of, that's probably another chat actually, that's the state of building a frame in Australia. Not many people, there's like two people who make it their full-time job. The rest are like doing it in their backyard after work. Hmm. So shout to Sean. Cool. But you know how we're talking about like wheel builders and frame builders being of an interesting like... Oh, they're all nuts, aren't they? Is he similar? Is he, <laughs> he's all right? <laughs> All I'll say is he's a very good frame builder, which means... Okay. Yep. That's what I kind of want, though. You're you're going, if you're rocking and buying a custom wheel set or a custom frame, you want some dude who's just been in his garage too long <laughs> and he's gone off the rails and spent way too much time on the internet. That's what you want. That's where you know you're getting a good product. I don't want someone that's got their head screwed on. <laughs> yeah. Just please don't take that the wrong way, Sean. You're, you're a top bloke and everyone who's met you knows that. But yeah, it's a, it's a pretty common trait. All right, guys, I reckon we wrap it up here for this week. Uh, JC, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And make sure to share this show on, subscribe to the channel, check out Jesse's videos, and uh, we'll see you real soon. See you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.